This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome to the Bonfire here with Andrew Herzog. We're here to talk about the important issues, the important things, the apolitical things. You have come to the right place because now we can get into the good stuff. First thing on today's to-do list of the good stuff, 10 Cloverfield Lane, the movie. Some of you may have seen the similar, similarly titled movie Cloverfield back in, I believe, 2008 when it came out. At the time, I was 18 years old. I had just graduated high school, and I, I believe I bought the DVD, took it home, and watched it. And it left something to be desired. I did not like Cloverfield. I'm not sure why. I just remember being 18 years old, watching it and thinking to myself, eh, that was all right. And in 2008, the the found footage film, that's exactly what Cloverfield was. And, you know, that's where there aren't the traditional camera shots like you see in most movies. It's all very orchestrated and they don't break the fourth wall as it's called, you know, actors don't look in the camera and address you. Um, That's just not what happens in traditional movies. And then, of course, when you have the found footage movies, that's exactly what it sounds like. The story, it goes as, hey, here's footage that we found, and now we're showing it to the world. That's what Cloverfield was. And those kinds of movies, when they were unique and sort of a novel idea back then, years ago, not so much anymore. They are... They're more annoying at this point. I'm not a huge fan of them. But anyway, Cloverfield came out about eight years ago, watched it, did not necessarily like it. But then all of a sudden, when was it? I guess a month ago, out of nowhere, we see these trailers and kind of information popping up that says 10 Cloverfield Lane. That, of course, caught people off guard, and rightly so, because the producer, J.J. Abrams, who we all know from Star Trek, And the latest Star Wars, he's responsible for those. And, of course, Lost. (laughs) Another great accomplishment of TV, if I do say so myself. He said, you know what? No, we kept this under wraps. We kind of called it during production the seller. We wanted to hide the fact that we decided to sort of tie this into Cloverfield. So they titled it 10 Cloverfield Lane. Of course, that piques our interest, and we think, ooh, is this a sequel? What the heck is going on here? And so that's why I decided to go watch it. I said, oh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Maybe it's a sequel. Maybe it's not. Either way, the trailer caught my attention. And I thought, wow, that looks pretty good. I'm going to go see it anyway. If it had nothing to do with Cloverfield, I still would have seen it. So, last week, or was it the week before? I forget now. I went to go see it in theaters right when it came out. 
I decided, okay, I should probably watch the first Cloverfield the night before to prepare myself in case this is a sequel. Well, I can tell you right now that it's not. Ten Cloverfield Lane is not a sequel per se to Cloverfield, and I will explain why. Up on bonfirethoughts.com, I wrote a movie review, so go check it out if you'd like, but that is what I'm going to jump into right now. All right, number one, like I said, not a sequel in the traditional sense. When we think of sequels, typically we think of recurring characters, themes, or settings. So, uh, for example, Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2, okay, clearly a sequel. In this case, 10 Cloverfield Lane is not a sequel to Cloverfield because it had completely different characters, themes, and settings. But what I could still tell from the movie, from the story, is that this takes place in the same universe as the first movie. So in other words, 10 Cloverfield Lane is a companion piece to Cloverfield, like Fear the Walking Dead is a companion series to The Walking Dead. They all involve different characters, different places, tackling different themes, issues, whatever. But they're still related. They're taking place in the same universe. You know, that's that's how it works. And that's what 10 Cloverfield Lane is here. And, you know, on its own, it stands on its own. 10 Cloverfield Lane. I thought it was a good movie. And it's a good movie because it jumps right into the story. Point number two. I don't like movies that take forever to kind of ramp up and get something going. The first movie, Cloverfield, took about 20 minutes before something interesting happened. That's about the furthest that I'll take a movie and let it do that to me. If it takes longer than that, you're going to lose my attention. I think you would lose most people's attention. You just take too long to get into it. I understand, uh, not monologues, um, prologues and getting sort of background information, trying to put the audience in the story so they understand what's going on. I understand that. I prefer that you do it throughout the movie, though. You can jump right into something and say, oh, wow, action, it caught my attention, this is great, and then go back to a quieter scene, kind of begin the credits. You ease the audience into it then. That is where you can lay the groundwork, tell some background information, so it's kind of like flashbacks, you could you could say. That kind of approach, I do like. So 10 Cloverfield Lane, I liked how they just jumped right into it, and the movie just kept going from there. And there weren't any real flashbacks. They pretty much stayed in the present, which is what I liked. And when they do that, you can see the solid acting point number three that is there between Mary Elizabeth Winstead and John Goodman. They both do a good job with their characters. And as the movie moves on you're kind of like "Ooh, this is getting tense and it makes you when there's solid acting it makes you feel like you have some skin in the game you know you're not a third party objective viewer that's what happens when they're terrible actors you think okay this isn't believable this person sucks this movie's not fun i don't care i want this guy to die because he's terrible whatever that happens but when it's great acting you kind of feel like okay wow okay this is this is real I could see myself like this. And then you kind of attach yourself to a character, maybe, and try to find ways to identify with that person. And then, like I said, that's how you feel like you get some skin in the game. That only happens when there's good acting. I felt like there was for 10 Cloverfield Lane. I felt like I was in the moment with the characters. You know, getting kind of antsy, anxious, and sitting on the edge of my seat thinking, okay, come on, what are we doing? Uh, I like those movies. Those are fun for me. Now, speaking of that, number four, it is not scary. I'm a huge fan of scary movies, and so much so that I also wrote an article on it on bonfirethoughts.com several months ago. That's neither here nor there, because this movie is not scary. 
It's a thriller. Okay, that means suspense, excitement, anxiety. There's no horror, no horrific and disturbing elements that you think to yourself, "Ugh, why am I watching this? I, I, my soul feels disturbed. I cannot go to bed tonight. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna have nightmares." That is not what happens here. Ten Cloverfield Lane puts you in the moment, and then the movie's over, and you're like, "Oh, okay, moving on, moving on with my life, perfectly fine." So, not a scary movie. And the final point: it is the beginning of something bigger. Now, like I said, although it's not directly related to Cloverfield, it's still clear that they are related. And there will definitely be a direct sequel to this movie. So, 10 Cloverfield Lane 2. They're not going to call it that. At least I hope not. But that will come. The way it ended, you think, oh, okay. There's more story here. And JJ, the producer, even acknowledges in an interview, there's, there's a bigger idea we're playing with here. So he's getting at, all right, yeah, Cloverfield was its own thing in 2008. And then come this movie, 2016, 10 Cloverfield Lane. It is also its own standalone movie, but they're connected in a way. So, you know, there's a bigger narrative we're trying to tell here, and I'm really excited about that. So that, again, piqued my interest, and I said, whoa, even J.J. is saying, hey, they are connected, but they can stand on their own, and we're going for something bigger here, a bigger picture. So, okay. I like it. It looked interesting to me. I enjoyed the, I think, hour 45 movie. That's a respectable length. It's not too long, not too short. And that was a good time. 10 Cloverfield Lane does get the Bonfire Seal of Approval. It is a rare honor to get the Bonfire Seal of Approval. So, Hollywood, or this particular movie, should feel honored to have the Bonfire Seal of Approval. And if I believe correctly, let me look this up real quick. 10 Cloverfield Lane is actually doing pretty well with the critics. It is an 8 out of 10 on IMDb, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. That means it's fresh. And then 80% on Metacritic. So generally, most people seem to like this. Most critics are supportive and say, hey, yeah, this is a good movie. So there you have it. If you haven't seen 10 Cloverfield Lane yet, I recommend it. It is it's a fun movie. Puts you on the edge of your seat. And it's, uh, you know, short and sweet. Hour 45. It's a good, balanced movie. So there you have it. Now, interestingly enough, coming up next, I have something that... (laughs) Yes, this is not a political podcast by any means. I will make my case coming up next why I'm going to be talking Donald Trump. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800 800- That's 800-215-0465. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, all right. Let me explain. Let me explain why I'm featuring Donald Trump here on the Bonfire podcast. Many of you know, and I've explicitly said it over and over, that the Bonfire is not for politics. It is apolitical. All right? We all know that. My excuse here for bringing Donald Trump on is to showcase not his policies, 
no sort of politics whatsoever, but rather something that is, I think, very important. Something that is, what are my pet peeves? It's one of the worst, and it doesn't matter who you are, because I do it to my roommates. They will tell you that. It's called being a grammar Nazi, okay? I correct people's grammar. I mostly do it with my friends, because I think it's funny. They say like, oh, uh, hey, Bob, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. I'll respond, you're doing well, Bob. You're doing well. Come on, man. And it's, it's a joke. I do it to get a reaction. I'm trolling. Okay, I do that with friends. When it's with strangers, I don't care. I'd say, well, uh, they don't know me. I don't think I want to open my mouth. So, for Donald Trump, that is what I am showcasing here. That is it. I'm not insulting, or not insulting. I'm not, you know, going over his policies or anything. He is not a politician. For our purposes here on Bonfire, he is simply an idiot. <laughs> because if you listen to this montage that I put together, a Bonfire exclusive, Trump Grammar, if you listen to this, don't tell me this is a learned man. This is not. This is not seemingly an intelligent person. Between his non sequiturs, his rants, his poor grammar, his ridiculous vocab, you think to yourself, how did you get anywhere in life as an adult? You know, the way you speak and conduct yourself now is what a child does, a four-year-old, with a very basic understanding of the English language. So how did Donald J. Trump get anywhere in life when he, <laughs> when he sounds like this? I'm going to play it once, all the way through, and then I will quickly go through each of the clips to explain what the dealio is. So, let's go ahead and jump right into this bad boy. I went to an Ivy League school. I'm very highly educated. I know words. I have the best words. I have the be But there's no better word than stupid. Right? There is none. It's okay to know it's Mussolini. Look, Mussolini was Mussolini. It's okay to know. It's a very good quote. It's a very interesting quote. And I know it. I saw it. I saw what, and I know who said it. Well, even though you and I had an agreement that you wouldn't ask me that, which we did, uh, I will therefore forget that you asked me that. We will have so much winning if I get elected that you may get bored with winning. It's called we have a country. Trump stakes are the world's greatest stakes, and I mean that in every sense of the word. We have tremendous people. We have people that aren't working. If you look at what I've done, I've built an unbelievable company. You know that. I know that. Most of the people know that. And what I'll do is let it be known. You need to separate yourself from the pack. I mean, the pack is the pack for a reason. That's why they're in the pack. We're taking Common Core. It's going to be gone. About a month and a half before the election, and it cost him big league. There has never been a greater division just about than what we have right now. Miss Universe and Miss USA, I own it. They're here. They're going to really do a number on me. So the problem with this country is between China and other places, we just don't make product anymore. I mean, we do health care here because you have that, but that's not the kind of product that I'm talking about. I'm talking about where you really make product. I, I see it because I'm a big buyer of things. I mean, people are dying because of Chinese sheetrock. You know, I really don't even know what I mean because that was a long time ago and who knows what was in my head. <laughs> Jeez, I'm telling you, I don't understand how to... How do you live in a society with this kind of 
diction and vocab, sentence structuring, ranting, rambling, non sequiturs, out the wazoo. That's just unbelievable to me. So there you have it. That is the bonfire exclusive of Trump's grammar. Not his policies. Like I said, this is an apolitical show. I'm here to dissect his poor communication skills, his total lack of English grammar. Holy crap. All right. So I'm going to now go through it one by one to explain, in case you don't know, what the heck I was getting at. I went to an Ivy League school. Ivy League school. I'm very highly educated. Ooh. I know words. I have the best words. The best words. I have the be- but there's no better word than stupid. Right? Mm. There is none. All right. So there's no better word than stupid because he went to an Ivy League school. That's top notch right there. This is a very intelligent man. He wants you to know that. I went to an Ivy League school. I know words, for God's sake. I know words. Ooh. Okay. All right, Donald. <laughs> you, th- you may think you have the best words, which is a weird way to phrase it. It doesn't sound like your vocabulary is very extensive. But, you know, apparently you just think the word stupid is the greatest word there is. So there you go. It's okay to know it's Mussolini. Look, Mussolini was Mussolini. It's okay to know. It's a very good quote. It's a very interesting quote. And I know it. I saw it. I I, I know who said it. Okay. He was talking about a tweet that he retweeted from Mussolini. (laughs) Uh, I'm willing to bet he had no idea it was Mussolini. And in this interview, he was trying to explain, look, Mussolini is Mussolini. Well said, Donald. Well said. Oh, very true. Very true. Black is black, and food is food, and the sky is the sky. Okay, that, that's some deep thought right there. Deep thinking right there. Jeez. So, yeah, here's a rant from the guy that just says, well, Mussolini is Mussolini, and I, I, I saw it. But I mean, I, I know who said it. He's not answering the question. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, that is beyond infuriating when anybody does that. Like I said, I don't care who you are. If I say, hey, how was your food today? Well, Mussolini was Mussolini. Okay, that has nothing to do with anything that I asked you. But that's how Donald J. Trump rolls. Well, even though you and I had an agreement that you wouldn't ask me that, which we did, uh, I will therefore forget that you asked me that. Okay, that sounds like he started the sentence without knowing where it was going to end, and he hoped to find it along the way. (laughs) That is... Uh, Michael Scott from The Office, he says the exact same thing. He says, you know what? I start sentences half the time, and I don't know where they're going, and I hope to find it on the way. Donald, I think that w- that is you, to a T. You will have so much winning if I get elected that you may get bored with winning. We will have so much winning. Hmm. You mean we will have many victories? Our country will be victorious once again? I don't know. There's other ways to phrase it. I've never quite heard it like that. That just sounds ridiculous. We will have so much winning that you may get bored with it. Oh, okay. Okay. It's called We Have a Country. (laughs) Okay, that's a good one. It's called We Have a Country. That, to me, tells me he was going for something initially, saying it's called, and then all of a sudden one of the synapses in his brain fired off, just, We Have a Country, and he just spat it out. Um... They don't go together. That's not a a flowing sentence. That's just two different phrases, two different thoughts that popped into his head. He started one and then started mentioning the other. You know, we all do it on occasion. Say something like, we want to say cool or great, but instead we say, oh, that's gruel or that's create 
You're like, oh, sorry, I meant to say cool and great, and I mixed the two up. That is exactly what you're doing here, Donald. It's called We Have a Country. Is it? Or he really meant that. It's called We Have a Country. What's called We Have a Country? That's just awkward, awkward grammar. Trump steaks are the world's greatest steaks, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Trump steaks, that which you can no longer buy, it is failed. Failed food. Anyway. Trump steaks are the greatest steaks, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Okay. Normally what you would say, Donald, if I may, is you say, Trump steaks, perfection. And I mean that in every sense of the word. That makes sense. Clearly you're referring to the word perfection. And I mean that in every sense of the word. Okay. When you say, Trump steaks are the greatest steaks in the world, and I mean that in every sense of the word. What word are you talking about? That sounds like you half-assed. This commercial from Sharper Image back in the day that you just kind of said, eh, I'll just wing it. I'll just wing it. Trump steaks are the tremendous, they're luxurious, and uh, they're the greatest, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Eh, I don't know. Poor attempt, in my opinion. We have tremendous people. Tremendous people, yes. We have people that aren't working. Wait, if they're tremendous, why aren't they working? <laughs> Another non sequitur, perhaps. If you look at what I've done, I've built an unbelievable company. You mm. know that. Mm-hmm. I know that. Right. Most of the people know that. Most of us know. And what I'll do is let it be known. Wait, if most of the people know that, then why would you let it be known? <laughs> it's already known, isn't it? I mean, you just said that. You just said, I know that. You know that. Most of the people know that. But what I'll do is I'll let it be known. Okay. Redundant much? You need to separate yourself from the pack. I mean, the pack, pack is, is the, the pack, pack for a reason. reason. That's, That's why, why they're in the pack. pack. Okay. Well said, once again. The pack is the pack because it's the pack, and you got to separate from the pack if you want to be out of the pack. <laughs> okay. You think? We're taking Common Core. It's going to be gone. We're taking Common Core, and it's going to be gone. <laughs> that's just... That's poor grammar. Like, my my lunch is going to be gotten by me. You mean you're going to go get your lunch, Andrew? Yes, it's going to be gotten by me. That is stupid. The exact same poor phrasing that I just gave there, as my example, my food is going to be gotten by me. It's just terrible. Terrible grammar. So we're taking Common Core. It's going to be gone. You mean it's going to be dismantled? We're going to take it away? It will no longer be here? Come on. There are other ways to say that, Donald. And you chose, of course... The stupid way to say it. About a month and a half before the election, and it cost him big league. Okay. Before the election, it cost him big Lee. He either said big Lee, B-I-G-L-Y, which is not a word, or he said big league, like the big leagues of baseball. Either way, it doesn't make sense, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. It cost him bigly, or it cost him big league. What the hell are you talking about? You mean it cost him greatly? He suffered tremendously? He really paid the price? Come on. Again, the things you choose to say, the things that come out of your mouth, I have no idea where in the English language you thought that made sense. There has never been a greater division just just about about than what we have right now. There has never been a greater division just about than what we have now. That little phrase he shoved in there, awkward. It was like a breather. It's like, um, uh, mm, uh. Whenever people do that, it's filler. That sounds like what he just did here. We've never had a greater division just about than what we have now. 
That's just weird. Miss Universe and Miss USA, I own it. They're here. They're going to really do a number on me. All right, this was for the ice bucket challenge back in the day. And he literally has Miss Universe and Miss USA standing behind him. But again, I think he half-assed it and said, sure, let's go with it. I'll just roll with it. I'm, I'm going to wing it, okay? It's, it'll be luxurious. It'll be tremendous. He just says, Miss Universe, Miss USA, I own it. Wait, you own what? You mean you own those pageants? Oh, okay. Well, then in the English language, you would say, I own them. Plural, because you mentioned two different entities, Miss Universe and Miss USA. Those are two different things. But let's put that aside for a second. I own it. They're here. They're going to really do a number on me. It, again, he's not reading from a script. I guarantee you, if anybody wrote him one, he just tossed it out and said, oh, I'm fine, I'll do it. And just terrible, terrible. So the problem with this country is between China and, oh, China. and other places. Yes. We just don't make product anymore. I mean, product. we do healthcare here because mm. you have that, but that's not right. the kind of product that I'm talking about. What are you talking, talking about, about, Donald? Where you really make product. Oh, the kind of product he's talking about is where you really make product. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about now. I get you. I, no, I don't. What do you, what? Maybe you're referring to, oh, America is no longer one of the greatest manufacturers in the world, of course, because China, India, Mexico, Bangladesh, name it. Any other country in the world actually makes the stuff nowadays. USA, not so much. So, Donald, if that's what you were getting at, I suggest you say something like that. America no longer makes products, plural, no longer makes products in the world. People like China do. And I'm not talking about healthcare, you know, um, industries like that. I'm talking about the sort of products that are steel, wool, clothing, you know, that goes with that, food. I'm talking about those kinds of productions. But what did he say? He said, well, I'm not talking about healthcare. I'm, I'm talking about the kind of product where where you really make product. Oh, okay. Well said, Donald. Well said. I, I see it because I'm a big buyer of things. He's a big buyer of things. Mm, there's that intense vocab because he knows big words. He knows the best words, and that's why he uses them here. People are dying because of Chinese sheetrock. People are dying from Chinese sheetrock. <laughs> No, I found that. I just thought it was funny. I just had to slip that in there. Ooh, Chinese sheetrock. Ooh, it's the boogeyman. Oh, my God. I really don't even know what I mean because that was a long time ago, and who knows what was in my head. Well said, Donald. Well said. Case closed. This is The Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Anyone, male or female, can enter any bathroom. For male or female at city playgrounds, pools, or offices without worry or hesitation and will never have to show an ID to prove your identity. What could possibly go wrong? The Jeff Fisher Show, Saturday morning, 6 to 8 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. The Bonfire. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, going off of where we just left off with Trump grammar and all the perfection that that was, there is a suggestion that the bonfire would like to make to Donald J. Trump. We suggest you, sir, get the app Duolingo. Duolingo can help you learn a second language today for the price of nothing. 
Download it immediately on your phone and start a variety of experiences and lessons to learn a second language as joyfully as it is. Okay, Donald, you should get it and learn the English language. Okay? That should have been your native tongue. Clearly, you haven't understood it enough. So get the Duolingo app and maybe, maybe you can get somewhere in life with your communication skills, at least. So when it comes to uh, sleeping with women, I think you're fine. But for the English grammar, language, syntax, sentence structuring, not ranting, I suggest the Duolingo app. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, we can move on from Donald. Oh, thank God. Now, on to the good stuff. Duolingo is what this block is about because I use it right now. I am... Let's see, what happened? I believe it was about a year ago. A friend of mine said, hey, uh, you told me you're interested in learning a second language like German or you want to brush up on your Spanish and something. Uh, Andrew, have you heard of uh, an app called Duolingo? I said, no, never heard of it. He says, well, guess what? It's free and the games, they're actually they're pretty fun. And the vocab the translations they have you do and it actually asks you to speak into the microphone and repeat some of the phrases so that it can kind of judge more or less that you're pronouncing the words correctly so uh it's just you, you obviously can't do better than a college class or even high school whatever a classroom setting with a teacher and students you can't beat that because you are learning with other individuals and you're having communica- uh conversations you're learning how to communicate. Of course, the best is just to move to that country, just throw yourself into it, and learn over time. But that ain't an option for everybody. So, if you're like me, and you don't want to drop hundreds or thousands of dollars on certain name brand um, language teachers. <laughs> See, I just pulled a trump there. I didn't. Ugh. Let me restart that sentence. I did not think before I spoke. If you are like me and you do not want to drop hundreds or thousands of dollars, go with the free app Duolingo. There it is. See? See what happens when you think before you speak? Things actually make sense. Now, Duolingo, yes, is for free. I am currently learning German, and I started poking around a little bit in Italian. I think I... uh, Tried to refresh myself on Spanish a little bit, but, you know, it's surprisingly difficult to uh, try to do three languages at once. So I kind of backed off and said, all right, I'm going to stick with my German, something I've always kind of had an interest in, saying, you know what, I want to learn German. Why not? Why not? And for a free app to kind of get you interested, kind of gauge where you are in the language, it gives you words and uh, definitions, translations, things like that. It's supposed to get you going. This by no means is supposed to make you fluent, where then you can travel to the said country and communicate with the locals. No, this is just supposed to pique your interest, you know, get you get you energized. And then, if you really want to get serious, then, of course, that's where you go to classes or visit the country or find other people in your community that speak the language and then say, here, now here's where I'll get my good practice. Duolingo got me off on a good start, but now I can actually keep this going and be proficient in the language. So I I go home. I'll open up the app. It only takes five minutes maybe to do like a quick lesson that they have in there. And they have all these different variety of topics that you can go over. There's the food, the travel, the basic grammar and know-how, questions, nouns, pronouns, all the good stuff. 
And, you know, it's interesting. You click around, have a little fun with it. And if you stick with that, shoot, next thing you know, you're kind of getting some of this vocab down. And then if you take it seriously, you can start writing it on paper, trying to memorize these words. And then you just feel good. You feel accomplished. You say, hey, I go to work. I work hard. And I still hang out with my friends and family, have fun with them. We we go out to eat. We have great experiences in life because life is worth living. Absolutely. But on top of that, guess what? I'm kind of starting to learn a language. Who doesn't appreciate that? Who doesn't feel accomplished when you do something like that? Because it ain't easy. You know, it's incredible when you find people who can speak several languages. Some are very just predisposed to learning languages. They're very good with words. Some people are not, as we just went over. Um, So, yeah, uh, the Bonfire does give the Bonfire seal of approval for the Duolingo app because it's free, it's easy, and it gets you going. You know, it piques your interest. It motivates you to say, oh, okay, I think I can do this. You know, maybe one day I'll take a... Uh, an affordable class somewhere and maybe poke around a little bit more in this language. And then if I really want to, then maybe go buy some books in the language and try reading it. You know, it exists that you can buy children's books in the language that you want to learn. Okay. So obviously if it's a children's book, they'll be using simpler words. And then you start from there. You don't go buy a dictionary in the other language and just try to read through it or an encyclopedia in the other language. You're just going to get lost. Okay. Go buy yourself like a children's book and say, okay, I can handle this. Let me see if I can grasp what this story is about, if I can understand it, and then let me go see if I can't find a buddy to just converse with and see if I'm remembering any of this. So there you have it. Off of the inspiration of Donald J. Trump and his genius, genius grammar, Bonfire suggests you get the Duolingo app so that in... That particular case, if you want to brush up on your native language, you could do that. Sure. Why not? But probably more importantly, you can learn a second, maybe even a third or more languages. And Duolingo gets you started. So bonfire seal of approval. Boom. i sorry. That was supposed to be boom. That's what I meant to do. There it is. Thank you. This is the bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. That's one of the little side effects of listening to the Buck Sexton show is you know that when someone's like, oh, let me tell you why Elizabeth Warren is so great. It's like, let me tell you what my, what my buddy Buck says about Elizabeth Warren. And actually, you know what? Scratch that, guys. You just say it. All right. Whatever is said here in the Freedom Hut, you can just take and go out there and deploy. The Team Buck Army deploys its knowledge. Not to attribute it to me. You just go with it. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. Yes, it is true. Believe it or not. For better or for worse, Harrison Ford, apparently, will return for Indiana Jones 5. Jeez, you didn't think that Indiana Jones 4 went horribly enough that you thought, okay, let's come back for a fifth one. It's... There's an article here from the Daily Mail where I found it. It is more or less breaking news from this week saying, yes, there will be a fifth Indiana Jones movie and Harrison Ford will come back for the starring role. And George Lucas, who was a co-writer for all the other movies, will not be on this one. The reason for that is when he sold Lucasfilm to Disney for $4 billion earlier 
last year. And then, of course, or maybe it was the year before. And then Disney did the latest Star Wars. They now own the rights, and they can do all that, all that they want with it. Apparently now they can do that with Indiana Jones. So Disney now owns Indiana Jones. Okay. Well, since I saw Star Wars, and I was in, it was enjoyable enough, I sat there and thought, okay, it's not a bad movie. They didn't ruin it, which a lot of people were concerned about. They said, okay, don't mess up Star Wars. There was a lot on the line for that. So, I would think Disney would do would do Indiana Jones 5 more justice than Indiana Jones 4. I mean, they weren't involved with the fourth one. So maybe, just maybe, they can redeem themselves with Indiana Jones 5. That remains to be seen. But for Steven Spielberg to be directing again, and Harrison Ford to join the cast. They will both be in their 70s when they start filming. They will both be in their 70s when it goes into theaters in apparently 2019. So three more years from now, we will see another Indiana Jones. A couple old farts doing another sequel. I've mentioned before here on Bonfire, is there no more originality anymore in Hollywood? You can't come up with something original anymore? Right now, off the top of my head, the only thing that comes to mind is Christopher Nolan, Inception, or The Prestige. Those two movies didn't have sequels. He didn't write them like that. He had no intention of having sequels and just milking it more and more for more money. He wanted an original story, produced it, directed it. Finito. Instead, we have Jurassic World. Spider-Man 82, Star Wars number 7, and then of course now 8 and 9 coming along, along with every other offshoot. There just seems to be laziness in Hollywood. It's easy for me to say because I'm not there, so yes, granted. But come on, Indiana Jones 5, he is an old fart now. You are absolutely going to be using a double when it comes to punching the bad guy! Harrison... You can't do it yourself, buddy. Let's face it. That's what happens in old age. You become not crippled, but you're certainly not the young guy you used to be. And Indiana Jones is not some philosopher. He was an action hero. You're not going to be able to keep up, buddy. Sorry, you're just not. Um, I don't know what else there is to say. <laughs> I think it's a bad idea. An unoriginal idea. And the article here in Daily Mail suggests, well, maybe Steven Spielberg and Harrison saw, hey, you know what? Star Wars actually did all right. And, you know, there was Han Solo in that, and he's an old fart. But it seemed to work, and people still seem to enjoy the movie. So, hey, why don't we give Indiana Jones another shot? Because I'm still old, but maybe I could still pull it off. Now, I don't know. If that actually did happen between Steven and Harrison, if they actually thought that, don't know. But there's a different fan base with Star Wars than with Indiana Jones, okay? Star Wars can get away with that. Star Wars can get away with Han Solo crippled in a chair, and people would still love it. They'd say, hey, that's Han Solo. He's the man. But when it's Indiana Jones, if you can't crack your own whip and you're using a body double to do that, come on. It's time to call it a day. But 
I'm going to try to look on the more positive side here and say, okay, you're going to do an Indiana Jones 5. That seems to be in the bag. That ain't going to change. All right, Disney, I leave it up to you. Please redeem the Indiana Jones name. You had the original trilogy. I mean, more or less all great movies. I like the first and the third one. Temple of Doom, not so much. That's just me. But, in general, good movies. Great movies. You thought it'd be a good idea to come back for number four, and you screwed that up royally. The ending, the plot, the CGI, there's just so much wrong with it. Maybe what was wrong was George Lucas, but actually now that I think about that, you can't say that because one, two, and three were much more respectable. So you can't lay the blame totally on George Lucas. Whatever the hell happened on number four, don't do it again. (laughs) You would morally trash the Indiana Jones name if you screw up number five. So please don't do it for everyone's sake, your na- your namesake, as well as American culture in general. Please don't screw it up. Thank you. Those are my thoughts. All right, everybody, this is the end of episode eight, I believe, of the Bonfire Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and listening to a great episode, I feel. I'm very, very happy and satisfied with this. It was a good variety. Still an apolitical show, apolitical material. I love it couple movies, some Donald Trump grammar, something we can all learn from, and how to learn a second or third language from Duolingo. But the important stuff, go to bonfirethoughts.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Bonfire Productions. And I hope to talk again next week. My throat is a little scratchy. I hope I'm not coming down with something. So, God willing, I will be talking to everybody next week. Adios! The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network.